You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 2 of the show titled Well Enough Alone. If you have not watched through Season 4, Episode 2, please pause this and go catch up. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm. And you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show or share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld. Send us corrections, observations, anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash Patreon or patreon.com slash MidwestPodNet and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Corey Z, Alan K, Tom Z, and Jason K, who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. Thank you, guys. Uh, no corrections and no feedback this week. Haven't heard from any of the old standbys. If you're out there, I got, I know I got a like from uh, Mark Mark Fila on Twitter. If that name rings a bell. But uh, hopefully, hopefully we start hearing from some people as the season gets underway, as we miss you guys. And uh, it's been quite a while. But um, all I could think about was the fact that there was an episode in season three called Genre. And we just did the Alex Trebek genre every time, I think. (laughs) And then I was like, man, I think Alex Trebek might have been alive when that episode aired. Yeah, I think so too. And now he's no longer with us, which made me sad. So pour one out for Alex Trebek. Yeah. You're on Westworld FM. It's doing pretty good, though, with Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings. I like both of them in the role. Yeah, yeah, better than it could have been with that producer who wanted <laughs> to make himself the host. Better than it, yeah. He awarded himself the job. <laughs> <laughs> he just shook his own hand. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> we want to congratulate you. <laughs> Dork. Oh, how you doing, Nick? I'm doing pretty well. How you doing? Yeah, doing all right. This, working, this, working uh, oh yeah, yeah, we're both baby updates. My baby is seven weeks old this week. Yes. How old's your baby? Five weeks? Uh, just hit six today. I think. Oh, they're that close? They're, oh, they're about 10 days they're apart, like, aren't they? They're like 10 yeah. days apart, I think. Yeah. That's so. cool. Westworld yeah. babies. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yes. I don't know. Oh, what game was I just playing? I just beat, uh, Titanfall 2 and I was watching the end credits and it got to the production babies part and I always uh, I always really like that in video game credits when they mm-hmm. have the names of all the team members who had children during the development of the game <clears throat> that's a cool little thing to do yeah I feel like um, I feel like they do that in like Pixar movies too so that's always yeah yeah nice. anime, anime yeah for sure yeah it actually might have been a movie I don't remember I think it was Titanfall but I don't, I don't remember for sure. You know, I, I was the other day I was thinking like, I really, I really like all the real world stuff in Westworld. Like I like all the Caleb stuff a lot. I like the vibe that it gives off. Um, I don't, it, it doesn't, it's really not much like it, but sometimes it kind of reminds me of Southland Tales. I guess the finale of season three, I said it was a lot like mm-hmm. Southland Tales, but uh, even though it's it's pretty different, but it really makes me want a video game that like looks and feels like that. And I just can't think of what it might be, but for some reason uh, I have a trial for Watch Dogs 2 and I thought this mm. is kind of like, you know, 
it's kind of dancing around the same kind of world state and uh, same kind of ideas, you know, stealing information and that kind of thing and using that to your advantage. But I've never played a Watch Dogs game. And uh, last night, in a brilliant bout of tragedy, I just could not sleep. I was wide awake. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, the, typically in the last few weeks, it has been pretty common for me to just pass out at like nine thirty or ten and mm-hmm. get get a few hours before the baby wakes up. But last night, I was like ten thirty, eleven, eleven thirty, midnight, and I was just like awake. So I tried playing this trial and I was like, man, I, this, I don't think this is for me. Like I, <laughs> I really didn't like it very much. And I don't know if it's just cause I was a little tired, but awake or what, but I was playing through it and I was like, ah, this is just not doing it for me. Those games kinda, are a little weird, you know, I, I don't know. There's something off about the, I tried, I tried uh, the third one and it just didn't hug me, but. Is that Le- uh, Legion? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. yeah that one yeah. sounds like the coolest, but honestly, the, I know the number one thing about Watch Dogs 2 that bothered me right out of the gate was that there's no jump button. Mm. If I can't mm. jump in a game, I just feel very restricted, especially yeah. in, in like a third person action game. I'm like, why can't I jump? Just let me jump. Mm-hmm. But you got to like get to like a railing and then press trigger to jump and over it. And I'm like, no, oh, just let me jump whenever <laughs> I want to. I'm yeah. kidding. No, is, that's is, is this an episode of uh, of Game Nerds uh, <laughs> Splinter Cell? <laughs> it might be. I'll uh, I'll cut it out and put it in the feed as well. I can put it cross post it to both yeah. feeds. Well, um, yes. If you'd like video games, please check out the Midwest Game Nerds podcast. Yeah, I'm getting caught up on back uh, back episodes of Game Nerds, and I I really enjoy you guys. I love that show. It's, it's a, very it's funny. I like when it goes for like nine minute stretches without Brian saying anything. And then he just goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, if I, if I can think of a game that feels the way that Westworld does in this stuff, I'll, I'll be sure to update. I just, I don't know what it is I'm looking but, for though. I can't really but, put it into words. To me, the weird thing about it is that Westworld as a game and Southland tales for that matter, maybe more Southland tales. I think of more like those games that you would see in a TV show that are fake. Super like trying to be hyper real. Kind of like the, the we talked about it at some point, the Californication music video of yeah. like, this is us trying to show you what a video game is, but it doesn't really work this way. <laughs> and it doesn't really look that way. That kind of thing. That's kind of what I think of Southland Tales and some of the real world Westworld stuff. And I think that that's what they're at. They're they're trying to like, I feel like the show still doesn't really want me to be comfortable with thinking anything as the real world. Exactly. (laughs) Even though I don't think it's going to pull that rug out from under me, especially now. But I feel like there's always that, like they just want me to generally feel like it's not quite the real world. Mm hmm. And so, you know, they do a good job of doing that, even if I can't quite put my finger on why I feel that way. Yeah, like, I'd love to play a game that's, like, futuristic. It's clearly the future, but it's not, like, full-on, like, sci Like, I guess cyberpunk is honestly probably not too far off from what I Mm -hmm. want. It goes a little bit hard into the the genre, but it's, um, like, Westworld's... (laughs) 
uh, future <laughs> aesthetic is like pretty pretty clean overall, at mm-hmm. least what, what we see. I guess yeah. there are parts of cyberpunk that are a lot like that, though. Maybe I just need to keep playing cyberpunk, I guess. That came, you got to re-roll a corpo. <laughs> that and, came uh, to, oh, no, no. I started a corpo, man. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I really love that game. That game, I think, is amazing. But anyway, this is enough uh, yes. game nerds. I just, I, I like I like this, trying to find this specific uh, shoe to fit, and I haven't found it yet. Well, we can just talk about the actual can, show. If anybody can think of a video game like Westworld's future, please write in westworldfm at gmail.com. But on that note, let's get into our episode recap. We'll start here with the cold open. We open in a Latin American market. The original Clementine Pennyfeather, played by Angela Serafian, walks home and finds a visitor in the man in black in her house. He wants to know where Maeve is. Clem will not share, so he kills her. Yeah, he does. Um, cool to see Angela Serafian, who I don't think was in season three at all. If she was, it was very, very limited. Uh, but yeah, she she was she was obviously very heavily in the first season, and um, nice to see her back. It's interesting to me that um, you know they have people that kind of pop in and out of different seasons or the the people who were once main main cast close to main cast members are no longer like uh on on the show consistently it's yeah. kind of interesting to me especially with only like eight episodes as opposed to 10 but yeah um, I like that they had this kind of picking stock of supporting actors that are all very memorable so they can kind of bring them in and out and you, they know that all the all the fans are going to go oh yeah yeah who's so, that yeah um who, who who are they now is as as we will find with maybe another clementine later in the episode right um yeah i don't know classic man in black nice little scene interesting that he's going around trying to find mave um but maybe more on that later any other thoughts on that first scene of the cold open mm-hmm. i right. feel like a james bond scene yeah. Her, her wandering around through the village and that reminded me of like something from the Craig Bonds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she gets home and, <laughs> you know, the MI6 is like, we need you to come in. Um, Next up, still no intro. Maeve and Caleb drive to California. They pull up to an estate that Maeve saw in her assailant's head. It's the aforementioned California senator that William is interested in, but surprised they've been replaced he and his wife have been replaced by host versions of themselves. Williams, William has replaced them to get some proposal through. Charloris is shown in the flashback as wanting to use the senator's wife for an experiment. Um, Noah Bennett from Heroes. Jack mm-hmm. Coleman is the actor's name. I can only ever see him <laughs> as Noah Bennett. Even though I've seen him in the office and like countless other things, he's just always Noah Bennett for me. The man in the horn room. And, and man, man in the glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, HRG, they really yes. tried. They really tried to make that a thing, but it didn't quite take off. Not quite. The state, um, the state senator from the office, is now been yes. up, upgraded to a, a, full, two, a full, yeah, full blend, senator, a, a tier two senator. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I finished this scene. Like the intro of this episode hit the actual like credits of the of the episode hit, and I was like, I think this is finally what I wanted out of Westworld. I I thought that to myself f- for you multiple times during this episode. I was like, I feel like 
Alex is pretty pumped on this. It's really interesting to me because I honestly didn't, I don't know. I feel like after season three, I forgot that I wanted it. But the fact that we're like clearly in this world where there's a host actor out there replacing important humans to push some sort of agenda is like everything that I wanted to see once we got out of the park. And it does I think feel the like fact, it does feel like where we thought season three would go. Yeah. So the fact that we're kind of finally there is interesting. And I feel like I have some appreciation now. And this is a point that I kind of, you had said something last episode that brought this up in my head, but I didn't get around to saying it before we moved on to something else. I think people were unhappy that Dolores isn't the vengeful killing machine that she was promised to be. Um, after in seasons one and two but that's what they've made charlotte into charlotte is that dolores yeah it's just not the the dolores that we've been with this entire time which i think i can get why people might be disappointed in that but i think we're still kind of getting it out of her and i have to wonder if you know maybe by the end of this season or at some point we'll see that dolores back into a dolores body or not oh that's Um, true i didn't think about that because that because i think you know it's it's interesting i think um i i wonder why i didn't make that connection and if they kind of wanted people to see it that way and it just didn't click or what but um and maybe i would go back and listen to westworld fm season three and i've already said these things (laughs) (laughs) there's there's no way we'll remember (laughs) not without listening now that i'm thinking about it i i just feel as though i think it's kind of like you know it's not like we didn't get those things that we wanted and it sounds like we're kind of coming around to it because they wanted to do some some character stuff in season three and they wanted to transition things in like a slower more considered way to then fully hit the gas in this season where they've seemingly skipped over seven or eight years anyway, which is interesting. Um, but all of that aside, any thoughts on, you know, host Noah Bennett and, uh, the fight between Caleb and Maeve and, uh, the Senator and his wife, it was kind of a cool fight. Mm -hmm. I I dug it. I uh, really appreciated that Caleb just gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, he can't do much. He's just such a little, a little guy. Yeah, he's not in the. He's not. The power levels are not matched for <laughs> sure. But, um, yeah, no, I, I like, I like that. the The idea that you know the the senator's wife is, um, she, she's not like a imposing person, but she still holds her own against him. I think is pretty cool too. She's I, liked host. The, I liked how uh, how rigid it was when they came walking in, especially when the senator came in through that like patio door. Yeah, he was like so robotic. It was it was almost comical, but it was also just like really creepy. Yeah, I think the the they haven't to me anyway conveyed yet the real horror of seeing an exact copy of yourself come. Like it it's it's been it's been a little bit intense, but it hasn't been like chilling yet i want to see i want to see somebody really convey the the horror of that happening to them yeah yeah this is maybe the closest they've gotten but not quite yet um 
Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything interesting to pull out here. There's a moment where Maeve says to them, that's not, after she she shoots the senator, she says, that's not your husband, your host, just like me. I thought that was a really interesting line because it almost feels like an acknowledgement of like the the girl who is my daughter is not my daughter. Hmm. So I don't know if this is going to actually stick and maybe they're going to come back around on it or something. But I think we wondered, like, why isn't Maeve hanging out with her daughter? Or that's that was a pretty big thread from season three. Well, all three seasons before this one. So the fact that she says to him, that's not your husband, your hosts, felt like an interesting change. And I think it kind of is in line with the fact that Maeve just, like, hung out in a cabin by herself for so long instead of finding a way to the valley beyond or whatever but yeah obviously there's a lot there that we are probably going to get into or we may never touch later in the season so um i was thinking about the nature of that today this morning actually i was listening to uh the show newcomers with lauren lapkus and nicole Byer, and they are they were talking about wandavision hmm. and uh they briefly were like I mean, they're they're comedians first and foremost, so a lot of the show is just them kind of taking the piss on stuff. But they were talking about Wanda being upset about her kids that aren't her kids, and Nicole was just kind of like, "They're not your kids. It's okay. Like, <laughs> don't get upset. They're not real, or they're you know they're not really." And then I just was thinking about the perspective of the show and kind of saying like, "Well, if you f- if you feel it though if you if that, if those are your memories and that's a connection that you feel was genuine who's who's to say what's real and what isn't you know kind of yeah. thing yeah. and tying that into this show i was thinking about this show and i was thinking about charloris and her relationship with hale's husband and uh and uh was it a son they had or girl i think so i think it was a son. i, I can't remember it's like that they're they're yeah. barely in the I show know. i think it was a son but anyway uh, with her family and just thinking like it's it's tough because when if someone comes and tells you it's not real you know under whose authority kind of thing you know what I mean like who's to say yeah. whether their experience was, was real or meaningful or not and then I started extrapolating it further to like our actual real life relationships or like maybe friendships or relationships uh, that we have had in our past that felt to us like they were a certain way, but the truth was that they weren't like maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an ex, an ex girlfriend or a boyfriend or something that some, that anybody could have, you might've felt one way about the relationship. You felt it was completely right. And then, at, you know, when it's in your rear view and, and you've, you've split and you have some time and some hindsight to look back and be like, well, actually my perception of things was a certain way, but maybe that wasn't really the truth. But doesn't make my experience during that time any less real or meaningful. Like the, the, does the, do your, your memories and your feelings, are they any less valid? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just started really, really going into this weird rabbit hole as I was like thinking about it. And I was like, man, this is a good show. <laughs> I think, well, yeah. And I think the only like kind of comment on that, that I have is when Maeve is dealing with say, um, Oh boy. Uh trying to think of his name. The writer that ends up Lee Sizemore. Sizemore. Yes. Yeah. In season two. She's very much dealing with the fact he's like explaining to her, I wrote that for you. You know? Like how much 
you feel that way about somebody because I programmed you to feel that way is I think interesting. And then obviously once it hits Maeve's brain, it's literally like, yes, but I'm feeling those feelings. And so it is real to me. I think that's a very, Oh yeah. I think interesting. I think you have to question like, what if tomorrow morning or, or whenever you were, you had a straight up conversation where you met God, you met your mm-hmm. creator, whatever they may be. And they straight up told you, i the path you're on, every decision you've made, I have predestined for you. Like you were always mm-hmm. going to do that and you had no choice and no say. Would it make your existence more hollow? <laughs> would it yeah. be less meaningful to you? Um, I, I'm sure some people would take it that way, but I, I don't know. I think there'd be plenty of people that would just say, well, it's my, it's still my existence. I guess I'm just going to feel my way through it and, and, you know, Jesus take the yeah. wheel, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sir, the show, I really like the inversion the show is starting to do with the nature of the power dynamic and also the kind of the hierarchy between the hosts and the, and the humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going like, to, I think it's going to end up looking a lot more like a yin yang than, than like a triangle or something. It's going to, they're going to be so, so similar. It feels yeah. like the, it's starting to tip in this episode actually. Mm-hmm. absolutely more more on that soon i'm sure yeah um anything else about no, noah bennett all right uh next up we finally got the intro and then after that jim navarro deputy assistant attorney general for counterterrorism in the justice department stops by dallas to try and speak to william but a repurposed Clementine stonewalls him and he leaves. It's there's something to me that was kind of chilling about just seeing Clementine back at Delos under yeah. the command of, you mm-hmm. know, doing the bidding of Charlotte Hale and William and Charlores and William, basically. Uh, not a whole lot else there though. Um, next up, Maeve and Caleb find the senator's wife, Anastasia, in the barn. She's killed all of the horses and seems to be possessed. She passes along an invitation to an opening night and then asks Caleb to free her. Instead, Maeve shoots her as she attacks Caleb. Um, so this comes back to the flies. Uh, and, you know, I think there's a moment uh, I said that uh, Charloris wanted to use the senator's wife for an experiment. There's a lot of flies buzzing around in the barn. She's acting kind of insane, slicing open these dead horses and whatnot. Um, it's It seems to really be leading back to the uh, cartel man that killed himself and his his cartel mates in the in the first <laughs> episode. Uh, cartel friends. Cartel mates. Cartel comrades. Um, the there's something with these flies controlling humans giving hosts the ability to control a human or program them in some way. Yeah. Like I'm wondering if it's full on body horror, like fly up the nose plugs into brain and steers you like a, what is that? What is that? Isn't there some, what, isn't there something where somebody's got like a backpack that they plug into a bug? Isn't that, is that toy story or something like that? I can't remember. No, um, Cronenberg. Yes, um, but I don't remember which uh, movie. 
Also, uh, I think of the mummy with those scarabs that like burrow into into people and like run yeah. around inside them and drive them mad. I uh, search plug backpack into bug to control bug, and I just get a bunch of pest control things on Google. So it's not going to come from there. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I mean that's the thing. I, I feel like I'm starting to draw parallels between what's happening with Dolores and what Dolores, Christina, what's happening in Christina's world versus you know the things that we we seem to think that Charlotte Hale's trying to do with these flies. Well, later in this episode, we see we see some of the process, right? Well, yeah, it's implied that there's a fly on the deputy assistant AG, his face, and he Don't, goes, oh, we but you're see, thinking it, it goes into his eyelid, though, under his it? eyelid. Okay. Yeah, I didn't remember that detail. I must have looked down to finish notes. On I the think second it, I'm pretty that. sure it does. Okay. I think it goes, yeah, we so see I'd, it go up under his upper eyelid, like toward his brain. Ugh. not even doesn't go for the tear duct. It just rips its way up here. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks. Um, yeah, no, I think that's interesting. And it certainly seems, you know, this is pulling ahead a little bit, but Charlotte, Charlotte seems to very much tell the William human William, who's still alive. I'm going to subjugate you guys and use you the way that you used us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, could have, could have seen it coming that way. Didn't know we were getting there now, but we are. So, yeah. Why wait? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, anything else there? Nope. Cool scene. All right. Good scene. Um, we go back to Christina. She wakes up thinking of the man that, uh, jumped off the building in front of her, Peter Myers. She heads to work and a man on the street asks if people are hearing the song with no sound coming from the tower. She almost walks into work, but stops when she notices a bunch of dead birds outside the building. So, um, yeah, because he says he says the only pe- the only people that can hear the music are me and the birds, right? Me and the birds, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I guess that's implying then that like the Olympia Entertainment Building is the tower, right? Like if the birds are dead because they're hitting the hitting the building, is that yeah, track? yeah? Well, and if she's writing like narratives, and it's broadcasting to the flies that are in people. Oh shit! I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I that, so yeah, during during episode one, when I was taking notes, I was trying to remember who she worked for, or like when it was before they said the name of the company. When she was like on her way to work, or something, or when she was at her desk and she was kind of coming. I was like, okay, so she's like a copywriter for Delos. She's writing. Yeah. She's writing store. She's like size more, but like strictly for NPCs for background mm-hmm. players. And this is just how Delos is doing it now. But then they're like, no, it's called Olympiad. Is that what it is? I th- Something, I yeah, yeah, I think so. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. This is uh, the company I work at is called Olympiad Entertainment. And like a dummy, I just was like, oh okay, cool. It's not Delos. Something else. <laughs> unrelated <laughs> as if there was any chance that that was going to be true. And then in this episode, sure enough, they're like, I'm, this is all kind of coming to light now. And I'm like, Oh no, this is totally, this is totally like a Delos front or a Delos shell company or 
some subsidiary that Delos bought and is using them to write. But I thought they were writing for hosts and this Peter Myers guy was a host that there's more hosts in the world than we think. Mm. But maybe they're just hosts not uh, not impersonating or replacing prominent people, but they're just like out in the empty, world. Empty and shells. And ready. They, maybe they're being ready to yeah be activated and yes. controlled or something. Exactly. That's what I thought. Uh, but I don't know. I kind of, the theory now that the stories are going into the flies and the flies are, that's interesting. They are actually humans. I don't know. I don't know. Pretty fucked up. I searched for Olympia Entertainment to confirm, and of course, Olympia Entertainment is the uh, Mike Illich, Illich owned company, yeah. I believe. Um, sure but is. Now the second link that comes up is "We are pleased you serve us" on HBO, and it leads to a trailer, like a commercial for Olympia Entertainment, that has. I feel like it all but confirms, like, yeah, hey, flies and narratives and blah blah blah, like, yeah. So, yep, interesting. Interesting. We'll have to see. I get. Yeah, I don't know. I God. There's other stuff out there about the Christina character and like, is she a human or is she a host? And what is even going on with that storyline? Is it in the real world or is it not? Um, that kind of thing. So I'm. I'm <laughs> I don't know what's out there. I'm trying not to like read Reddit religiously and. Yeah, me myself into things, but I, you know, I'm not going to stop myself from uh, conjecture. So that's kind of where I feel like things are headed with with Christina, but we'll see kind of where things go with that. Other than that, I don't think there's a lot else for that first scene with her. Um, no, I agree. Cool. Next up, while golfing, William is paid a visit by the vice president. The VP tells William that they're, that while the government will look the other way with his offshore activities, he can't bring his work in country. William is persistent, and the VP senses something wrong as William sinks the same hole-in-one three times in a row. So fucking awesome. I'll get to that in a second. William threatens This the was VP. the scene. Yeah. William threatens the VP who walks out to find that Clementine has murdered his security people. William pursues and takes the VP out with a golf club. I, I love this as I figure like as you're watching this and they show him hitting the ball again at the same hole and it goes right in again. I was like, this is fucking great. It's, it's good. It's so good. There's nothing like, I don't know. I don't know that like, you can't put the scene in like season one and have the same thought of what you see here. It's the context of like who William is and what it would mean to be a host and how perfectly you would be able to execute on hitting a golf ball as a host. I, it's just, I don't know. It just adds up to something perfect in this, in this season. And I, I really appreciated it. Um, I don't know if you had any particular thoughts about it. The the other the other thing that I was kind of thinking after the fact was like I kind of wish like it was one of those um like on a sitcom when they show player like uh it probably happens when they came to and they came together when they're playing basketball but where they would cut <laughs> to the same shot of the basketball going into the hoop. Yeah. 
you know, like multiple times because they just recorded it once and it, that's all they did gonna, feel like that. Yeah. I, <laughs> they had a second like, angle at one point and then they yes. went back to the first shot and I was like, yes. Oh, come on guys. Yeah. Couldn't do yeah. one more quick setup. <laughs> but no, I, I ate this shit right up. Oh, it was, it was an awesome reveal because I think we've all been kind of wondering, like, we kind of knew that this was host William, but like, we didn't know mm-hmm. the show mm-hmm. hasn't explicitly told it to us yet. We, and, we, uh, we, we made assumptions, but this was like, yeah, even no when you made the first hole in one, I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> I was like, I mean, a hole in one is an insane thing to do uh-huh. um, for anyone who's not a pro golfer. And even then it's pretty extraordinary. Uh, and then, yeah, just repeating it exactly. I was like, Jesus, it's insane. <laughs> the fact that the Veep didn't just like take off running at that point, it was like, <laughs> what the fuck? He still, he, it's, it's crazy because he still thinks he has some, some power in the equation. And I just mm-hmm. was like, dude, you're, you're done. You're done. Yeah. I'm wondering how much we'll get into what the justice department actually thought, what the, what the, what Jim Navarro actually thought he was able to do. <laughs> Did he actually peg it and was like, this is what they could be doing. And oh yeah. When he says too, I was right. Yeah. Yes. Like it, it is, is it, is he just, you know, he was clearly too late and they got to him and the plan's already in effect. You're fucked dude. Like, but, um, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I ate this up. This is a thousand percent what I want out of Westworld right now, which was, is good. It was a great, 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 great scene. Really long too, but I didn't care. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Really long hey. and like a, not that long episode. Cause I think this one was only like 50 ish minutes or something. Like it was, that, which yeah, is short it was for, quicker. for a, a Westworld. Um, okay. Next up, a well-dressed Maeve and Caleb enter the Angeles Arts Pavilion. As Maeve scans it for hosts, Caleb orders Carver to get his wife and child out of the city. When they enter the theater, the crowd is empty and a phonograph is playing on stage. And when Maeve stops the phonograph, the orchestral pit lowers and reveals a familiar hallway. At the end of the hallway, they enter into a speakeasy. Caleb tries to talk to Maeve about, quote, what happened after the lighthouse, end quote, but she mostly brushes it off. As they take a couple of drinks, the speakeasy shakes a lot like the train car that takes you into Westworld. Um, they're playing a little bit loose about like what actually, how did, how did they know to get there? Is I, my I thought the question. exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And how did they get the clothes? I mean, like there's certainly a healthy amount of suspension of disbelief that goes on when you're watching this show, but yeah. they've been pretty good. They've been really good about connecting all the the logistical dots of how did people get to where they're at and how did they learn what they what they know. And mm-hmm. I thought the exact same thing because I, I thought, did I fall asleep for a second? Like, I felt very <laughs> disoriented at first and I thought it's totally possible. Yeah. But Especially no. Especially for, for an episode that is short, like we were saying, the fact that there's not even like a quick scene that's like. You know, but maybe, maybe something just didn't quite work out because it's not like it's not like Anastasia gives them the invitation. She says, "Come to the opening night." She says something about, um, "Boy, I can't remember exactly the phrasing that she used, but it wasn't just like William wants you to go to this place." It was so um, maybe there's something about how she says it that actually gives them a clue. Yeah, Is there something to, operatic. I'm, 
She says, Don Giovanni. I don't, for some reason, I did, that didn't even occur to me that that was an opera. I was thinking that was just William calling himself Don Giovanni, and I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that means, but that's where my brain was. So uh, she says like the that. name of the... We will now refer to host William as Don Giovanni. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don Giovanni himself, host William. Uh, <laughs> no, so she says the name of the opera that leads her them to the opera house. That makes sense then. Okay, cool. Yes. All right. Nope, it all checks out, of course. But but still, like we said, kind of like a little bit fast and loose with like, here's where things are going. Here's how we're getting A to B, that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, that we're not typically used to with Westworld. So It did feel very, uh, second time I'm invoking James Bond, but them just showing up in uh, appropriate attire for an opera, like a rich opera. Mm. W- without any explanation or acknowledgement of like, look at these sweet clothes we got or anything. It's just very bond. And, he, and, and very like about his, uh, uh, sartorial choices or something like that. I can't remember what the line is. Yeah. I have no I attention. So. She does make a comment about it, I think, but no, I get what you're saying. It very much like a, it's very yeah. Nolan too. Cause we're, yeah, we're Chris, going to an event and we're well dressed and like, it just happened. It's the yes. next thing that we're going to do. Yeah. A lot I, of Nolan, a lot that. of Nolan movies are like that too, where characters are just well dressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, with just no like Christopher Nolan himself. That's true. He's actually usually pretty put together. Yeah. It makes me think of that scene in, I think it was inspector. Just bond is like on the run from somewhere. Spectre's so goofy. Uh, he's got like no connections, no, you know, he's completely screwed and he's got to find his way somewhere in like Switzerland or something. I don't remember. But it like cuts to him on a boat and there's like a man rowing him to where he needs to go and he's dressed in like the most amazing cable knit sweater and like <laughs> mountaineering jacket. And, you know, he's got his tag watch and just looks and I'm like, where the, where do you get this shit? Come on, man. He's got like, he's got like, three of my paychecks worth of clothes on (laughs) (laughs) made a quick stop at uh, Nordstrom's exactly uh, yeah yeah. in Switzerland but you just roll with it because that's part of the language of James Bond yeah and thus also Westworld I guess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's again it's got the Nolan connection so that's true that's true that's true I would love for the two Nolans to team up and make and do do a one and done bond like for the next bond just be like we're gonna do we're not gonna do we're not going to relaunch the, the whole franchise with the next face of James Bond for the next four movies, but just like we want to do one James Bond movie with our actor of choice and uh, see how cool it would be. That'd be so sweet. <laughs> That'll never happen is, though. Is it uh, who, who would they pick? Is it? Uh, uh, I don't know if you go Nolan, I, I mean, that man? if you go, uh, who, who did David, uh, David Desmalt, Desmalchian? Yes, yeah. Um, That's the only person I can think of is one person from, from The Dark Knight that isn't even a main main character. I Whatever. That's a pretty good poll on No Notice. <laughs> if they were going Chris Nolan, it, I, he probably would do somebody, pick somebody. It might be Tom Hardy. It might be Pattinson, which would honestly mm-hmm. be kind of cool. Either of those mm-hmm. would be cool. He might just go nuts and do John David Washington. Who knows? That'd, That'd be, be sweet. Good. That'd be sweet too. I mean, he was so he was so cool in Tenet. I can't get over how cool the two of them are in Tenet. They're just cool guys. Yeah, I love that shit. But put, put them both in Westworld. Just drop them in. That'd be awesome. 
anyway, tangent. Another another yes. classic uh, classic tangent. Westworld FM tangent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other thoughts here? So you know, uh, Caleb tries to talk to Maeve about what happened after the lighthouse. Is that how much do we think is that like him maybe like getting like hurt that we saw in her memories or whatever that was versus like, um, uh, he mentioned something about his wife doesn't think it was over something like that, or it was nothing like, uh, like a potential relationship implied between them. I don't know what, what to really dig out of that. And maybe it's not super necessary, but we are. I wonder the same thing. They, they have, they have good chemistry, mm-hmm. which is uh, kind of like, fuck, why did you wait through all of season three to get these two people together? <laughs> but you don't find it until you find it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has more chemistry with her than he did with, with Dolores. Yeah. But uh, Tandy Newton is just so absolutely like, uh, charismatic and just everything she says is just so cool mm-hmm. uh, that, it's almost impossible probably. I mean, I don't know. They, they do. They just seem to have a good rapport. It seems like they, they did go through some stuff together, yeah. whether it was like a one-off relationship or not. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't get the impression that he has any romantic feelings towards her until he said that. And then I thought, well, you know, what's the nature of, of their time together? But I don't know. I mean, maybe he also had the comment in the cold open scene with them driving, uh, where she says she was alone in, in the cabin. And he was like, well, if you, you could have just called me. And then she's like, I didn't say I was lonely. I said I was alone. Mm. And yeah, so I guess there could be a little bit of that there too, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to find out for sure. Yeah. Um, and I what saw, did you think about the, I, I'm so distracted by his hair. Uh, <laughs> I think it's really crazy looking and I saw somebody on, I think it was on Twitter. I don't know. It might've been on Reddit. It might've been, I don't know, somewhere there was somebody just commented something about how Aaron Paul's like hair is so bizarre. Like why did they feel the need to change it or make it so like extra? And, and the guy's reply was, it looks like they gave him a wig made out of bangs. And <laughs> I think it is the perfect description because it's exactly what it looks like. Just all bangs all the way around. It's so funny looking. I just am like, wow, what the, what's up with this? Just strange choice. Why? I, I don't know why they didn't just let him look the same as he did in season three. I don't know. It was yeah. Weird. I don't know. I don't know. Seven years have passed. This is what his hair yeah. looks like now. The hair of the future is bangs <laughs> all the way around. Bunch of bangs. <laughs> A wig of bangs. Um, the the only other thing, so this kind of like head fake into like the Westworld intro, you know, the like mm-hmm. you're actually on a train, I think cute, especially by the time we learn at the end of the episode, they are going to a new park. The fact that it's kind of like, this is your way to go to that. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was but, really, it was really slick. Yeah. Uh, next up, Deputy Assistant A.G. Navarro is accosted in a parking structure by Clementine and Charlores. Charlores explains that they don't plan to replace humanity one by one. She has plans for humanity. A fly crawls on Navarro's face and he screams. 
Uh, so yeah, clearly I didn't write that it flew into that it walked into his eye, but I might have missed that as I was typing the sentence out. Let's go um, to the, the tape. And we don't need to go to the tape. It's no, right. I'm going to do it because I want to make sure I didn't imagine There's it. There's plenty of orifices on the face for it to crawl into. And the eye is the worst one. So I believe that it's the eye. <laughs> the eye is the worst one. All right. It's let's probably see. eye first, ear second. Okay. It's nose, going. It crawls. Third. Oh, yeah. It goes up in there. It walks okay. right up. It walks right All up right. under his eyelid. Well, interesting. Clearly sick yeah i think we've spoken about that enough um christina finds her old pitch for peter myers while she's in a taxi to who knows where she gets a phone call from her boss who sees she is remotely accessing her files despite no showing at work and traveling in new jersey uh this just feels like pandemic work anxiety in one scene Oh, this confirmed that it's Delos because he's like, you are entitled to four sick days a year. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking four. (laughs) William. Yeah. Don't get sick. (laughs) You want to work here? (laughs) You don't get sick. This is the future. Mm. I own a medical company. We could solve your problem immediately. Go to work. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That was really goofy. That guy. It was. If uh, yeah, I, that dude for some reason just does not feel right. I don't know if you like. I don't think I talked about it, but in the first episode, when he's like, "You need to write things with more sex and violence and blah blah blah," like I, something about him to me felt like he like he was an NP, NPC or something. I don't know. Like it was like that dude isn't even an actor. He's just this thing. He was created by the, the AI, the Dolly AI to like, just be this part. I don't know. Something very weird about it. No offense to the actor playing the part. That's funny. I I felt I was about to say the opposite, actually, that I think he seems like a perfect encapsulation of useless middle management. That's just like only (laughs) there to like receive orders and then bark them at someone else and just like, that's a fair a, a point. Room. I think we're saying the same thing. We're just coming at it from different ends. Like that dude doesn't, he's that guy at work that doesn't care about anything except for work. Yes. And he really has no real function other than to be a mouthpiece for upper management. Yeah. Yeah. He goes home, eats dinner, goes to bed, comes back. Be, Everybody and, and work. He's, he's a manager. Yes. Uh, yeah. No. Nothing too crazy for that. I mean, the details of the kind of pitch for the Peter Myers character, I think, you know, um, kind of the mental illness and stuff that he goes through. It's, it's weird. I just don't know what to think of the Christina stuff yet, but yeah, I mean, either it's all, it's compelling that like, but the show is just telling us something that we kind of already figured like, Mm-hmm. we have no reason to doubt Peter Myers as the viewer and like what he's saying. So for Christina to be listening and be like, Oh my God, like this is crazy. I did write this or this sounds familiar. I guess, I guess it is important though. That's the thing about any time. I feel like most things about Westworld that I have criticized, ultimately I end up looking back and go, no, oh, I was there for a reason. Like I get it yeah. now. Well, and the the thing that I think I'm most hung up on is a little bit of outside baseball of like there. I saw one of the few things that I've seen is like, apparently Lisa joy has been like 
Christina is a human. Period. But it's kind of been coy. Like, I think there's, um, what does it say here? Is Dolores dead and who is Christina? This is an IGN article, Westworld season, Westworld showrunner Lisa Joy on the Man in Black's plan, Dolores' new look, and more. This came out after that premiere aired uh, last week, two weeks ago. And she says here, Dolores died last season, Joy said, confirming that Dolores Prime is no more, and Christina is a different character altogether. I just wanted to tell the story of a girl in the city trying to make it as a writer. All things I can really relate to, and I wanted to cast a sort of I wanted to cast the sort of perfect human. Evan is such a great actor that I figured she would be the best person to play that role, so we put her in, we changed her hair color, and I'm just hoping nobody notices that it's the same character that played Dolores because I really love Christina. That That's sounds so like dumb. the most bullshit that I've ever heard. That's so and the dumb. fact that like, yeah, there's <laughs> like the, if, if there's just the, this is the, you know, I, I, I guess what we could come around. Oh my God. I'm going to be so fucking angry. If it's like middle manager guy, I was like, here's the headshots of my people. And they're like, we should make someone who looks like that girl on our, but she had, it's not, I don't know. Has she been working at Olympia entertainment since whenever, Westworld was spun up and Bern Arnold was making Dolores. I don't know. Very it's, weird. Yeah, that that that's kind of what I thought initially um, on the premiere. It was like, okay, so is this the woman that Dolores is based on? But then I just thought, mm-hmm. that's not a story anyone gives a shit about. It's not interesting. No. But it, but it feels like a red herring that they would put in there. You know? I don't think Cause that... Because the other thing that people are like, there's another theory that people are working on that this is like, and I don't necessarily subscribe to this theory, but it's the idea that this is not the real world. And it is Hale's got Dolores's cube in there trying to figure out if she still knows the way to the, um, the data that William wants that's in the, in, in the dam. Mm Hmm. And so in that sense of like, have, has, has Charlotte Hale Dolores figured out some way to wrap a new character around her and then like torture her with stuff or make her write stories in some simulation that like could make her divulge the information about the, the sublime or the, the Valley beyond or wherever it is. And that kind of thing turns out, which we know from season three, Bernard has that info. And he's visiting that place right now or whatever we're going to see. I don't know. We haven't seen Bernard yet. But that's, that, that's still why there's kind of this. The, you That's the only way that you're sitting here thinking like, why is this person Dolores? And I feel like if it's simply some red herring, that kind of sucks. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, how how many how many Dolores sees left the island left Westworld at the end of season two? How many Dolores That's a good pearls were there? Dolores, uh, how many Dolores? I'm gonna Google because we know there's one in Hale. There was one in uh, Tommy Flanagan, right? Yep, yep, one in Hale. One in time, one so one came out in the Charlotte Hale that left the park. Yes, and I don't know if that's Dolores Prime or not, but 
but it could be. I think so it was. A hail that is Dolores that comes out of the park. And then I think she has. I think that was Dolores Prime. And then she plucked herself out and put was, another Dolores in. Yes. That was okay. my, that's my impression. Um, I think apparently, so I pulled up an article here from Collider. All right, so we have Dolores Prime, Hale Loris, Char Loris, as we call her, Musashi, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata's character in season three was a Dolores copy. Uh, There's a there was a Clifton Collins Jr. Dolores that was in the season as well. Right, we don't know where he's at. Musashi got killed, right? Uh, By Dolores. Yeah, uh, no. by somebody here. By uh, Maeve's ally, Hanario came <laughs> that's out. Right, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Part of Maeve's gang. Yes. Well, I guess what so, I'm driving at is, is there a Dolores copy that is unaccounted for that could be being spun up in a simulation and Christina is that Dolores and whoever is overseeing said simulation is trying to nudge her towards revealing something that's buried within her that they can't forcibly extract. Yeah. And maybe not hail, but some other either third party that we have yet to know, or maybe Bernard is mm. somehow doing like, I'm, I'm curious about this Bernard Stubbs thing. Cause we know Bernard wakes up, Stubbs is gone. He's covered in dust I'm kind of assuming that he wakes up during this. Fuck. I want to say he wakes up during the seven years later portion, which God, I I wish wish Gojo was here to make the seven years later joke with me from the final sacrifice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I kind of thought he wakes up. So, so Bernard waking up is running concurrently with what Maeve and Caleb have going on right now. But why would he be covered? Why, where, you know, what the hell happened that's so insane in seven years that made him covered under an inch of dust? And well, it was like a war, right? Or some riots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. So that's, that's true. You know, well, and backing up slightly, and let me finish this thought first. Um, maybe when Bernard gets back, he realizes he's missing something, and he, he, or Stubbs find or have the other Dolores Pearl or something. Maybe, maybe Stubbs rolls back with it. I don't know. And they can use it. And that's what Christina is. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that there's something there um, with one of the Dolores, Dolores's. Uh, yeah. So this, this Collider article says there were five versions of Dolores presented in the third season. Musashi was decapitated. Mm-hmm, and Kyle's was destroyed in a blast meant to kill Serac, but Serac survives and reclaims Connell's and Dolores' pearl from the wreckage as a means to interrogate Dolores. While these two versions of Dolores are physically incapacitated, their pearls are still floating around out there. Oh, uh, yeah, and I'm kind of... Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Holoris is alive and well, so that was another one. Yeah. Dolores Prime got erased when she took out Rehoboam, I believe, mm-hmm. is the the truth there so then i think there's only who's the last one that's left would be 
uh, Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah. yeah Clifton, Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah, what happens to Lawrence. So, Yeah, I think that that's kind of my theory I'm going to start rolling with. I think that that's we're seeing, because I think Dolores truly host Dolores started off a good person, for lack of a better word. I think the, the reason Dolores Prime got driven to that direction of violence and, and vengeance was because of her circumstances, but maybe original Dolores or one of the copies of Dolores was still pure enough that it would be well-intentioned and um, kind. Like Christina seems to be Christina's very reminiscent of like season one Dolores or like mm. early Dolores, the way she was written to be and uh, in the park. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. There's something buried in there and somebody's leading her through. And that's why we saw that little maze uh, on, on her the, balcony. On balcony. Yeah. And a lot of her behavior and her, uh, her handlers in her life seem to be kind of trying to get her back on her loop. Like she's trying to go off her loop, like her supervisor kind of continually being like, what you doing? Your performance is slipping. You're fucking up. And then, uh, uh, our roommate. Yeah. Maya yeah. kind of always being like, come home. Like let's, let's hang you out. You should go on this date and you know, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Stick with your, stick with your script. She seems to be pushing to do something for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. No, I think there's something there and we'll see exactly what it is so yeah that's cool um all right we should keep moving keep trucking oh, I, I wanted to backpedal real quick sorry on one sure. quick thing no uh, we, t- we talked about host or wait did this not happen yet host william talking to actual william not so yet that's okay coming. let's go that's okay coming. let's move forward then all right uh new clementine now named sophia tries to find a reservation for caleb and mave at the party so mave hacks one in sophia takes their phones and they follow her to a prep area to get their outfits on for some new delos destination uh so yes this is i think lily simmons is the actress playing a version of clementine who's now named sophia she played a clementine after yeah angela seraphian got like lobotomized in the first season which who knows what lobotomizing a host even means, but um, <laughs> anymore. Um, no, I think this is interesting. And there's a lot of implications here too. She asked questions like, did you ever visit Westworld? Like Westworld, there's a lot of implications here that like Westworld is shut down. Nobody goes there anymore. Things went bad in season two and they never got it back up and running in the time since. And it's just not a thing. So I think that's interesting. Um, she asked questions of Caleb of like, do you have any history of depression or mental, like some, some kind of like questions of mental illness and like he hesitates in it and Maeve is like, he's healthy, he's fine. And then he asked the question of like, why would that matter? Which I'm wondering what that implies of this new 1920s world that we're headed into. And then, obviously, you know, signing the waivers of liability and the, hey, we, we you give us the right to use all of your data in this park. We know that William likes harvesting his data from his from his guests. That was his whole thing. Um, but, yeah, interesting to see that whole setup again of, like, let's get you ready for the park. And, you know, all of the stuff in the room is bespoke and made just for you and fits and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts there? No, I just, it was fun kind of retreading that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Having, having a host go through that, having, watching Maeve kind of react to the process, I think yeah, it just was fun. Irritable. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what you fuckers went through while I was getting murdered every, every day. Yep. 
Uh, all right. Christina pulls up to a hope center for mental health. It appears to be empty. This is the place that, uh, Peter uh, Myers was um, bequeathing his money to or asking people to donate to in his obituary. Um, and it's, uh, uh, I wrote here, it appears empty, but she sees architectural drawings and a construction crew. She explores more and finds the Peter Myers Memorial Wing. She calls Maya and explains what she's found, but Maya tells her to trust herself and to come home. Before she leaves, she finds drawings of a tower in a room. Um, some weirdness here like it sounds like she's seeing the ghost of peter myers or something like this happened in the past or it keeps happening or something of that nature so once again how does that fit into our theories of what's going on did they not clean up the last simulation when they were in a new simulation to try and hack into dolores's brain who knows yeah that's true i just feel like there's something time time wise going on just within this timeline like she's she's either in the past of something or in the future of something or mm-hmm. some sort of displacement of time there. That's yeah. You can't really talk about too much cause there's just not really enough to chew on yet. Yeah. Or what is, was her seeing Peter Myers, something all in her brain for some reason and she's that, reliving it. That, that is also thing. true. Reliving yeah, the I'm, trauma. I'm curious if, uh, I'm thinking back to Bernard in, season one when he's when he doesn't he literally can't see the door the door yeah and because he's been programmed to not see it um fuck man was that that was the greatest that's probably the coolest moment in all of westworld yeah that is the (laughs) moment from westworld i think and it always will be yeah for sure um but anyway if she's experiencing something similar if um what God, I'm so uh, so embarrassingly out of touch on <laughs> Westworld vernacular. So reveries, mm-hmm. Re- what were reveries again? Reveries were like the kind of um, you could see a host kind of remembering something, right? And and like it kind of uh, that was what Ford had programmed into them that had supposedly started this like they're retaining their memories of what happened before they got wiped. I think yeah. it's the yeah. I wonder if so it's if it's some form of reverie or like echo of something that had happened to her in the past, although we do see him attack her and Teddy save her, although maybe she just maybe that did happen already and she's just remembering it. Yeah. Um Yeah. Um Man, I well, don't know. And that, what you said earlier about like she's she's coming things that people are redirecting her back to her loop. It seems like uh, Maya, Maya on the phone is like, come home. I'll, I'll be here. Let's hang out or whatever. That kind of thing. Like you're saying her, like pulling at this thread is, is what they're trying to keep her from doing for some yeah. reason. Right. So hmm. actually now that I think of it, when he, when Peter did attack her and Teddy saved her, they had they disappeared like in the next yes. frame. Yes. We did comment on how weird and she's that having was like a edited. playback issue. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. Mm. Mm. something going on here alright two more scenes here Charlores pays a visit to human William who is being kept prisoner in a cryogenic vault she's hinting at finding a way to control humans before quote bringing children into the world end quote host William walks up and William uh, and Charlores puts human William to sleep as she tells him it's time for a deep and dreamless slumber 
this is a little bit of that turning things on its head that you spoke of a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I think I enjoy that. I'm very curious to understand why human William is still alive. If it's really just like, we want to torture you and you know, why, why hasn't she just thrown a fly in his brain so she can just fuck around with him whenever she wants, I guess is if that's what she's doing with the flies. It feels like that classic villain thing of like, I want you to watch, I want you to yeah. see me fulfill this explain plan. My plan to you, so you can at the last moment screw <laughs> me over. Yeah, hmm. or, or you will. You will at least have to bear witness to it. So by the end of this season, Human William breaks free and becomes the Man in Black that we wanted from the 1970s movie once again. <laughs> Just <laughs> roaming the halls and stalking the hosts. No. Yes. Yeah. It becomes William v. William. Yes. Oh. It's like that. Uh, it's like when Paul Bettany told everybody he can't wait to. He got to work with an actor and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. had a line of vision that he's always wanted to work with, yeah. and it turned out to be himself. That was yes. great. Very good. I I'm concerned about Ed Harris getting this show wrapped up because he just just he just looks so old. <laughs> I don't even know how old he actually is, but like I had the same fear with Hopkins in season one. I was like, this guy, we got to get it done. Well. Okay, so my question is: is seventy-one years old. So. Guys, he's not even that old. He just looks like he a looks, leather mitt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we at the end of season two or one was when we saw William Go wake nuts. up in like the decrepit future. Yeah, that was the end of season two. It was a post-credits. It was after he kills his daughter because he doesn't know what's real anymore. Right. And he's like digging a chip out of his arm, but then Dolores discovers him and is like, no, I need you. Come help me. And then there's some weirdness with the time because, yeah, he's on some sort of loop. They're testing him for in that post credits. He like wakes up and they're testing him for fidelity. Right. Right. To kind of like because that was what they do for those host human hybrids that they were working on with James Delos, you know, uh, with with him. So yeah, I don't I still don't quite know exactly where that falls into place, but it feels like it could be coming soon. If say Westworld has been in disrepair, we're now seven years, eight years after season two. Um, well, I'm thinking know, maybe. It's even further than that. And this cryogenically frozen William is that William. Is that William. It yeah. could be a yeah. thousand years later. We don't really know. That's like that, possible. That's kind of what I, as soon as I saw him going into cryo sleep right away, I was like, that's got to be that William, right? Unless mm-hmm. he is some kind of new creation. I don't know. First thing I thought of though, right away, because I've been waiting for that scene to come back into play yeah. somehow. Even though I can barely remember the details of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I was thinking about it too. I think, yeah, you could be right that that could be him. It's interesting that it's kind of framed as like we're testing him for fidelity. So why? Yeah, yeah. It would be pretty amazing if at some point, say it's like 100 years down the down the line, um, Delos or, or the host's whoever is in in control of the technology, well, maybe they get their, maybe they get their, uh, their 
their paperwork mixed up and they think that he's actually a host human hybrid or a host, but he's actually human William and they don't know how to, how to interpret his responses and stuff because he is actually a, the last mm. human left alive or something or they can't control him the way they expect to be able to control him. And he's right? been, his brain's been zapped so many times by being thawed and frozen and mentally tortured through all of his existence that he doesn't have his head straight yet either. and doesn't remember what he is. He comes out looking a little bit more like Yul Brenner. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sick. Yeah. I, there's some, there's, there's some cool yeah, direction no, that you're going to take with, with William. I think you're, I think, yeah, I think you're onto something. I don't quite see how it all fits together yet. It's, it's weird that I five want is like a thousand years into the future or whatever. Yeah. That's know? what I'm saying. Yeah. It might be like a post, a post human. It might be like a planet of the apes kind of scenario, mm-hmm. but with hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird that I want a redemption shot for William, even though he has gone yeah. so far beyond any chance of meaningful redemption. I still want to see him be like a hero somehow. And like, <laughs> and like do his part to, um, like Dolores try to turn at the last minute and set things right. Yeah. I don't know. He's just so filled with hate, which brings me to my other question. So host William is acting as William and like, you know, he, he really, it's like, he almost believes he is human William. Cause when he has lines that are so deeply personal, like when he's talking to the vice president, he says, I'm going back to my old profession. There was he something seems- I was thinking of when you were talking about how quick the, the the roboticness of Noah Bennett and his wife, you know, like they seem to be able to come in and out of their character in some way. So how, yeah, I wonder, I'm just curious about that. How, how, how much the host William deeply feels the same feelings of his original, uh, version of human William. Yeah. Does he, does he have the same belief system? Is he filled with as much hatred and anger and resentment because all of his lines toward the senator about not coming to his wife's funeral and mm-hmm. that he bankrolled his campaign and all that, like he believes what he's saying is how it comes across to me. There's that degree of conviction. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to know yeah. more about that though. That's interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Um, all right. I think, we got our last scene here. I don't have a ton of time left, so we'll kind of breeze through it. And there's, we're going to learn a lot more about it in the future anyway. Yeah. But Okay. Likewise. Final scene, we've got host Williams speaking to a crowd, potentially Delos investors or the new board, uh, about the Roaring Twenties as Caleb and Maeve are shown in their black, uh, giving the choice of their black and white hats. Uh, it turns out that Delos's new park is in the United States and it's a recreation of the Golden Age. Uh, so I was seeing the golden age sometimes labeled as uh, it would be the 1950s, but it seems like it's very heavily pointing towards the 1920s, 1920s, 1920s hats and garb and stuff. It feels like, like roaring twenties for sure. Exactly. So, um, prohibition although, era. Yeah. Cause then the Spanish flu or the pan, the pandemic was 1918. Right. And world war two would have been before then he talks about a world war and a pandemic and stuff like that. World war one was, prior it was 1915 i think yes okay world war ii so would have yeah. been the 40s it's got to be the 20s would be my guess that's how it um, feels yeah i'm curious and you know what i i wonder how much people how do you i guess my one question that i want you to answer before we go here is as someone who 
didn't care to go back to the park. Does this feel like a regression to you? Or are you kind of like, this is an, it's, it's an, a new enough paradigm. Yeah. Like I'm the cool thing that it. I'm, yeah. The thing that I'm most like intrigued about with it is like, William wants Maeve badly. And she's walking into a place probably filled with hosts that William controls. And that feels like a really bad idea. <laughs> like it's going to go very poorly for them. So yeah. either Maeve's got some kind of ace up her sleeve that makes her confident that she can navigate this successfully or I don't know. She did. So she did have trouble freezing all motor functions on Noah Bennett. She did eventually figure it out. So I don't yeah. know. She still she's has a learning, her a learning computer. She's got God mode enabled still, but I still question whether or not William is truly on the side of, of Charloris or not. Uh, yeah. You know, I, yeah, you, you raise a great point of that. And I'm kind of last... thinking back again, if he, if he truly is William as William, as William is, then maybe he is a self-loathing <laughs> host too. Maybe yeah. he just hates everybody equally. And he's like, I'm going to burn his bitch to the ground. Uh, There's part of me that's like, well, she could maybe delete that part of his code when she created him. But then on top of that, they couldn't wipe the host when they wiped the host. Right. So like, what, yeah. what can you really do to a human's I think, nature? I think that's definitely an important thing to keep in the back of our minds. For sure. No, I, I, I actually, when it ended and it was a kind of that cool crane shot of kind of the city and, and, and the beats were echoing the train and the disembarking from the train in Westworld. And it's, it's all kind of modeled the same way. I was like, this is, it made me grin. I was like, this is cool. Like I, I liked it. It's yeah. cool that it's a different park and that it's, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So they, they step off the train and we see like all the, all the populace kind of standing there and then they all start moving. Like somebody flipped the switch. I'm not convinced that those are all hosts. Mm. I think a lot of them, maybe all of them are humans with flies in them. Ooh, and that that's good. Now the hosts are able to, pay money or hosts are able to come to the park and indulge themselves on humans. That's a fantastic point. And sort of like a a reversal of the relationship there that now they can come to these parks just for thrills and, and kill and maim and torture and, and rape humans and, and even well in the perversion of like, hey, we're gonna have the rich humans come here and do this stuff to what they think are hosts, but it's actually other humans. Yeah, that too. For sure. No, yeah. that's that's fantastic. Yeah, great, great observation there. I just I wonder if the the question, the the line of questioning of do you have depression, all that stuff, somehow ties into that how a human might react when confronted with, or if, if they potentially figure out what's truly going on at, at prohibition mm. world or whatever we're going to call it. Yeah. Flapper world. Uh, I think the name is out there. It, it's called, so there was a, I was on the side of the building. Temperance is what, Oh, I think they're yeah, calling it temperance sense. temperance. Yeah. So yes, that's funny. I know they call that area era temperance, but that era does that yeah, mean exactly something else? Most. Tem- temperance is abstinence from alcoholic drink, like the prohibition. So it's the same. It's the same <sighs> yeah. thing. But definition you know, of temperance: a- moderation in action, thought, or feeling; restraint; habitual moderation in the indulgence of the appetites or passions. 
So maybe it's almost like kind of saying, can you, the goal would be to come there and enjoy yourself in an innocent manner, but can you resist your more devilish nature of wanting to act evil on an innocent? Temperance is too specific a word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but no, I think, well, is it also like, um, um, you know, the, the, Temperance in its modern use is defined as moderation or voluntary self-restraint. Uh, I mean, it was definitely, it flies, definitely was a general term of that era. Yeah. If it's, a, if it's flies in humans and they are being restrained, mm. they're not quite self-restrained, but That's is it true. some kind of like knowing, I don't know, maybe they didn't put any thought into this, but they certainly did. No, so. they definitely did. You can tell us what your thoughts are on the war on on the name of the new world as temperance. If that is what it is, I believe I'm remembering correctly. I know that's what it said on the side of the building, but you're you're definitely right. Okay. So I I heard that somewhere else too. I read that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Please write in westworldfm at gmail.com. Find more episodes, westworldfm, westworld.fm. Check out our other shows at midwestpodcastnetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod. It's being used under an attribution creative commons license. That's it for our episode this week. We are excited for the next episode of Westworld, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber. Very nice. The Bible scripture is interesting. Which Bible scripture? I'm going to have to look into this. Uh, Relating to temperance from Galatians. Mm. Okay. It says... Uh, add and to your William faith unto <laughs> add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity I wonder if it's almost like the hosts yeah trying to teach the ultimate lesson to rich humans of saying you know can can you be brotherly can you exhibit brotherly kindness and charity towards these things that you think are hosts when actually they are not mm. that's good that's i good. don't know I'll but leave. but but why i guess is kind of the ultimate why like charloris but she's none, got none, william she, in a cryo thing like i think i feel like it's very much a she is so f- vengeful about it that she wants to like push their nose in it and then she's gonna just I guess she doesn't seem that artful of a villain to me. She does. She seems a little more blunt instrument than scalpel. She's not, but anyway, we can go and we can resume. All right. Next time. Till next time. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the phrasing of it. She did say something like your your part to play is is now or something like that. I feel like a ding dong for not writing it down. Um I'm gonna see I have my my iPad right here. I can call up the I'm so curious. I wanna like go find that part real quick. Just uh listen along everyone as I uh I can I'll make a, a note again. Okay.
Oh, wow. I scrubbed almost immediately to the right spot. That's cool. Nice. Are you a host? Do it again. (laughs) (laughs) If you need me to scrub a playhead somewhere on a timeline... Again, I can I can do that. That's what they programmed into you. I have yeah. perfect perfect scrubbing. King scrub. Okay. Yeah, they're talking to her. She looks confused. Subtitles. What happened to my horses? Hey. Stay away. <laughs> All right. Hey. <laughs> oh yeah, the humming. Is she humming mm. the tune that was playing on the record? I mean, I'm just oh, curious. That could be good. She says, You're invited. It's opening night. Your old friend is anxious for a reunion. Don Giovanni. That must be. Uh, we yeah, can't, that's an We opera. can't be late. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And she says, okay. no, I've done my part. It's time to do yours. What part? Oh, that's the part they have to play. Yeah, she says free me, and he wants uh, she wants him to kill her. Okay, so yes, okay. they do say. So there you go. So we, we just weren't paying in, attention. 